Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. So glad you're here this morning. My name is Matt Halp. I'm the lead pastor here. And um, if this is your first time, hopefully you enjoyed worship this morning. I know I did. I love to come and sing together. There's, there's something about the gathering of the church and, and when we sing uh, the truths of God's word together that changes us. I, I think it's undeniable. It's something we, we can't ignore and something uh, that is just so powerful. I, I guess that's why God commands us to do that in his word, right? <laughs> come together and sing songs uh, and hymns and praises and new songs to him uh, as he tells us in his word. Um, we are in a sermon series um, called, in, about unity, and um, we are in the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're still in the first chapter, so if this is your first week here, you've only missed one week, and uh, you can check that out online and, and catch up with us, uh, the sermon from last week. All right, look at my notes here. Last week, we talked about the commendations or praises that that Paul really gives to the church in Corinth. And what we, what we learned about the church in Corinth is that it was, it was this really a busy city in between two major ports. And, and so they'd have these, these masses of people going through. So it was a, a bustling metropolis. And it was full of all types of different religions and and pagan practices, and the Roman Empire had kind of adopted a lot of those things into their culture. So a lot of the celebrations and practices that were happening in Corinth by the govern- government, the Roman government, were very pagan and, and, and very sinful. So um, as the church was planted and grew there, what we find is that, that these people who just found Jesus had, had practiced all these different things. And they were bringing these practices and, and sinful things into the church. So Paul gets wind of this. He hears about this. And he writes this letter. Actually, he writes two letters, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, to the church in Corinth to kind of to set, set, the, set them straight, put them on the right path. And, and so last week was this really positive, neat picture of, of Paul reminding them who they are in Christ. Uh, who here knows that once you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are a new creation. You are a different person than you were, right? God loves us way too much to leave us the way we are. He gets into our mess and he makes changes that are so powerful. Only, only God, the Holy Spirit, can do that in us. And I am so thankful for that work. So that's really, really what Paul's reminding them about there in that first part that we talked about last week. It was really encouraging. Uh, he talks about how he sustains us to the very end, that, that this sustaining and righteousness doesn't rest on you. It rests on the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And that was just, I don't know about you, I was just so encouraged by that last week. But this week, I kind of gave you a warning last week, and this is where we're going to get into uh, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of, of kind of what they were going through. Now, remember, this, this series, as we start out here, is on unity. So today, we're going to be talking about um, the little opposite of unity, division. Divisions in the church. Actually, in, in my Bible, my ESV, uh, this section of Scripture is called Divisions in the Church. Yours may say something similar on that. And in just a few verses here... Paul's going to give us so much truth and so much good things that we can put to practice in our lives that we can kind of, you know, as we go through this book, I, I want us to look at the Corinthian church and, and, and see, see where they missed it. 
You know why? Because I, I think sometimes we miss it too. And I, that's why God gives us his word. He knows that we're going to struggle as we go through this journey we call Christianity. He knows we're going to struggle as we work through it. So he gives us his word, which is, which is truth and life. And it pierces, the Bible says it pierces to the very, the core of who we are, dividing bone and marrow. And, and his, his word is alive and changes us. So um, that's what we, we really want to trust as we get into this today. So let's pray before we read God's word for us today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. And, and we humbly submit ourselves to your truth and who you are and what you do. God, I pray that uh, you would use me this morning as your tool to, to share what you would have me share. Change our hearts, oh God. We don't want to walk out of here the same as we walked in. Because when we meet with our Creator, we are changed. So change us by your glory and your power. For your glory and for your kingdom. And for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's read this. It's verses 10 through 17 in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It says, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. <laughs> now, I'm going to just stop for a second there. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but there's very few things that humanity agrees upon. Have you picked up on that yet? I, I think it's always been true. I think it's always been true that we've struggled to find common ground sometimes, but, but social media has made it that much more clear to us that humanity struggles to find unity, that we actually have to work towards it. This isn't something that just happens organically and magically, but there's actually things God gives us to do to pursue unity. Like, so Paul says here, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there's be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. You might want to underline some of those key words in there. Same mind, same judgment, united, agree, those kinds of things. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided, he says? Was Paul crucified for you? This is Paul writing this. He's, Was I crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you. Except, can you imagine saying that? Like, like that that's a pretty strong statement there. I thank God that I baptized none of you except... Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus, and beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. You might want to underline that. And not with, with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. All right, God's word for us today, right there. The first thing I want to pull out of this text, and the first fill-in in your notes. Now, I made some last-minute changes, just so you know, um, in the notes. Um, so there might be a little discrepancy in, in these fill-ins. But the first one I have is this. Unity starts with Jesus. 
Unity starts with Jesus. Quarreling, arguing, and fighting. Can't we all just get along? Why must there be such divisions? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that this is going to be really, really hard work. But this is what we have to know. The church is meant to be different. We are a people set apart to play our part in showing the world the difference Christ makes in our lives. When we start out our Christian walk, before we know Christ, we are living a life for me, myself, and I. And we, we start seeing what we can do and what we can gain, what we can grab, what we can have for ourselves. And God does something super miraculous in us when he comes in, into our hearts. He takes us from this inward focus, this, this me and, and just this over-concern about myself, and he turns it upside down. And he says, now you're going to live your life for my glory, not Matt's glory. Now your number one concern is going to be my kingdom, not Matt's kingdom. And that's that process that, that God takes us through. We talked about last week and he sustains us through is this progressive sanctification. It's a big church word for change. It's this progressive change that God is making in us from selfishness to selflessness. To sacrificing others for what I want. To sacrificing myself to give others what they need in Christ. For Christ. Empowered by Christ. That is the journey that, that we are on. And that's why Paul starts out with this, I appeal to you, brother, brothers, by the name of our Lord Christ Jesus. Now, to us, that sounds like a prayer or just a, a phrase that he would say. We don't think much about names today. We enjoy them, you know, it's like my name's Matt Halp, and it's, it's a name. Back in, in, in times of Scripture times, names meant something. I mean, we see all throughout the Bible that when God called someone to himself, he would at times change their name. Saul became Paul. Names mean something. So I don't want us to pass by this phrase as Paul's starting out this strong letter. He's starting it out with purpose and with meaning and with something of power behind it. The name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, listen, you, you guys, you morons, you're messing up your witness. He says, remember who you are, who you are in Christ. Remember the one who died for you. Remember the one that sacrificed everything for you so that we could be set free from sin. That we could have eternal life so that we could sacrifice for others, especially our brothers and sisters. We are meant to be an example of grace, peace, hope, mercy, unity, and power. But we, it seems like the church worldwide fights about anything and everything. Unity isn't found in getting our way or making our point. It's found in sacrificing like Jesus did. You see, the church in Corinth, their disunity, their division was around preachers. Oh, I follow Apollos. Or I follow Paul. Or I follow Cephas, or 
I follow Christ. Which one of those is right? Does anybody know a trick question here? Anybody know? Christ, right? There is no other great teacher, right? I mean, he is the one, the only one that we follow. Was he, Paul goes on, it's just crazy what Paul says. We'll get into that in just a minute. But that's where their division was. They were, they were looking to these guys. This is who we follow. You know what they wanted? They wanted to win the argument. They wanted everybody to hear their way. Listen, here's why. Here's why I follow Cephas. Because he really knows how to break down the word. He really knows how to bring it. And he brings it with passion. But Paul, man, he doesn't, he doesn't use more than two-syllable words. I mean, he's, he's not worried about eloquence. He's not worried about those things. So I'm, I'm with Cephas. But Apollos, man, he gives us all this history, and he gives us all this culture, and he gives us all these other things. That's my guy. That's my guy. No, I'm with Paul, because he's hilarious. I mean, the dude is hilarious. He's got a joke for every... Right? Right? Have we ever gotten caught up in that? I mean, it's different for us, isn't it? Or is it? With the internet and, and any preacher you want to listen to, you could jump online. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? This is James 4, 1 through 3. Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You see, the church in Corinth had got caught up in what they wanted. They got caught up in what they believed to be the best. This person, that person. And we do the same thing today. We get caught up in what we think is the best. And we make Rib issues, spine issues. What I mean by that is there's, there's certain issues that, that we have to hold with, with closed fists. Or we hold on tight to, and, and this is like Jesus being the only way to heaven, and that Jesus died for our sins, the Trinity, God, three in one, these, these core beliefs that we have as a church. But there's these other things we call rib issues that, that great Christian, godly theologian men and women have argued over centuries mysteries, they call it in Scripture, mysteries in the Word. Are we more worried about being right than we are about loving our brothers and sisters? That's where they got to in Corinth. Do we get there sometimes? That's why Paul starts the way he does in this letter. And he, he starts this section. He's pointing us to Christ, the sacrifice for us. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on to the next section, verse 11. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you saying, I follow Paul, Apollo, Cephas, Christ, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul? It's not about the great men of God. It's about the great God of men. You know, we want to put our hope in someone. We want it. All throughout 
the centuries, humanity has looked for someone to put their hope in. A president, a king, a leader somewhere. And here's the fact of the matter. We were created to put our hope in something, someone. Every single human being was created with a void inside of us that can only be filled by one. By one. And his name is Jesus. Problems start to arise when we hope or think a man can do only what God can. Or a president can do what only God can. Or a new boss could do what only God can. Or my parents or my spouse or my kids or whatever it may be. When I believe they can do something that only God can. Men will always let us down. It's funny the the interaction that Jesus had with the rich young ruler, this rich young ruler approaches the king of the universe, the creator of everything. And he says, oh, good teacher. Now, I'm not surprised by that statement. I'm surprised by Christ's response. Why do you call me good? There's only one who is good. That's my father who is in heaven. Well, what? What? <laughs> Jesus was getting to the heart of this rich young ruler. But he's also pointing us to the perfection of God. Jesus, we could get into all types of theology here, of being God, Jesus being truly God and truly man in that moment. But Jesus pointing to this perfection, pointing to the one, the only one, the only perfection that can fulfill us, that can sustain us, that can satisfy us. You may be here today and you've been looking your entire life searching for something, searching for per perfection or searching to fill a void that is in your heart and in your life. And I'm here to tell you, it is Jesus and only Jesus. Only he can give you what you need. You may be a Christian here today and you may be going through something difficult like a pandemic or something. I don't know. And you may be just at your wit's end. And you're going, God, I need something. I need, why, what's going on? I don't understand. There's this plethora of information from both sides. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And we Christians, us walking in relationship with Christ, we need more. We need more of him. Did you know he's an unending, never-ending source of goodness, of grace, of mercy? That he fills us over and over and over and over again. And that your journey doesn't end when you meet him. Your journey doesn't end when he reveals more of himself to you. Your journey doesn't end. It goes on and on and on for all eternity. The depths of Christ and the goodness of God and the power of the Holy Spirit are unsearchable. And there's something we will enjoy for all of eternity. The greatness of our God. The only thing that we have here, the only thing that we have grasped here is just a speck. If you were able to pick up a speck of sand from the beach and look at it and see it and study it under a microscope and dissect it and break it down to its microscopic things and say, I understand now. 
I understand the beaches perfectly and the ocean and every living creature. That would be foolishness. It's a speck of sand. It's not going to tell you hardly anything about a shark or a whale or the depths of the sea or any of those things. But we get like that with, as, with our Christian walk. I just learned this new theological term, therefore I have arrived. And I know all things about God now. Right? You know, as I've gone through seminary and continue to study God's word, there's one thing I've learned. The more I know, the less I know. I feel dumber and dumber and dumber the longer I study God's word. I hope that encourages you today. But that's the reality, right? When you're looking into the creator of the universe, your theology, your study of God, when you're looking into those things, you start to realize just how minuscule our brains really are. All right, back to this. These guys, the current church in Corinth, you know what they were doing? They're idolizing men. That's the second fill in your notes. Idolatry fuels division. Idolatry fuels division. Stick with me on this. I think this is a really key point. I think this is where Paul's going with this, and it's something we have to grab today if we're going to move forward in unity. This is what the Corinthians are doing. They were looking more to the creation rather than the creator. It's great to thank God for his creation, but the creation doesn't get our allegiance or our worship. Only God gets that. How does Paul point this out? He does it with three rhetorical questions and outlandish questions, if you ask me. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Now, it's interesting, I, I think it's interesting in ways, that Paul points out here and throws himself under the bus. I mean, he could have easily said, you know, Cephas, or, but he throws himself under the bus two times there. The guy who writes two-thirds of our New Testament. I think that's interesting. Christ demonstrated perfect unity while on earth. The three-in-one, God with us, Jesus acted out of perfect unity and humility and models what we need and what he desires for us in unity. Is Christ divided? That's the first question we need to ask. We need to look at and understand. Is Christ divided? Absolutely not. There is nothing divided about Christ. He is the three in one. He was in perfect unity. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. He was in perfect unity with the Holy Spirit and with God the Father. There was no division ever, ever in that. Was Paul crucified for you? No, he wasn't. I believe the majority of people in Corinth in this big argument were probably claiming Paul. I mean, he was, he was a wild man for Jesus. He was writing a ton of letters. He had a ton of, of respect going on. I think a majority of them were claiming him. I think that's why he throws his name under the bus. Don't look to me. Don't look to me. Paul puts himself in his rightful place, humble place, and in so doing, squelches this misdirected worship. Is it in the name of Paul you were baptized? How ridiculous. As we look at these three questions, they just get more and more ridiculous. How silly they must have felt. Think about that. This, as you get to this point, it's almost laughable. Of course not. Of course we were baptized in Paul's name. Jesus is the center the pinnacle, the only one worthy. 
And this is coming through every, every sentence Paul is saying. Paul goes on this tangent about how glad he is that he didn't baptize them. Like, I don't know about Paul, but for me as, as a pastor and as your pastor, I love you guys. I want to share God's word with you. I want it to change your lives and, and make an impact. I want your life to make an impact for God's kingdom. And, and the, that moment of a decision of being baptized is powerful. It's one of the sacraments. It's one of the things that, that makes us a church doing what God commands us to do. We would love to baptize you. This is great things. But Paul's, man, he's going off. I'm glad I didn't baptize you guys. This is a mess. It would just give you another excuse to put me up here and make me something that I'm not. And Paul really gets it. Paul really gets it. I'm going to let you down. I don't want to let you down. I love you. But I'm going to let you down. Because I'm a human being. And I'm pursuing Jesus with everything I am. And I love him more than anything. And he's changed me. And I study his word. I pray for you. I want what's best for you. I want to sacrifice my life for the kingdom. But I'm going to mess up. But Jesus never messes up. He's the only one worthy of your trust. He's the only one worthy of your praise. When you hear a good sermon, or you, you go out and you see the beauties of creation, or you witness life and birth, or if you watch some of those PBS specials about the universe and about the glories of all creation, don't worship the creation or the man. Worship the creator behind it. Anything good, anything good that comes from this pulpit, anything good that comes into your life, anything good that comes from what you witness in all of this creation, let it be something that pushes you and draws you down to your knees in praise and worship to the only one who's worthy of it. Only God is worthy of it. Any success, blessing, or goodness that comes to you from a created being or thing is meant to point you to worship the creator. Let me say that again. You might want to write it down. Any success, blessing, or goodness that comes to you from a created being or thing is meant to point you to worship the creator. Paul brings it to a powerful statement of clarity, and it's our next point. We find unity around the gospel. In verse 17, it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Underline that, circle that. The star goes right beside it. To preach the gospel. And he goes even as far to say, not with, with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I don't want to give you any excuse to pat me on the back, is what Paul's saying. I'm not going to come to you with a dictionary of words and thesaurus and, and bring this amazing, amazing eloquence in words because I don't want you to think much of me. Now, we, we do need to do a little bit of cultural study here because what was happening in Corinth and, and all throughout Rome was this amazing work of philosophy and philosophers. So the, so the Roman people and, and the people of those times were used to coming together and hearing these 
these amazing philosophers, you know, just go off on tangents with eloquence and, and debating deep thoughts and different points. And Paul says, no, 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 no. That's not what Christianity is about. We're not all about, you know, Socrates and all these other things. We're not about C.S. Lewis or Spurgeon, right? We're about Christ. And specifically, we're about the work of Christ and what he's done, the gospel. We find unity around the gospel. It's not about a great speaker, philosopher, or apologist. It's about Christ and what he's done. It's not about who led you to Jesus or baptized you. It's about Jesus and what he accomplished. A huge point Paul is trying to make is that None of that, your salvation, your baptism, your sanctification, or anything that happens that is good happens apart from the amazing work of Christ. Billy Graham didn't do it. Some other preacher didn't do it. You didn't do it. God did it. God accomplished it. That is the one thing we can all agree on and find unity in. Humans aren't great. God is great. It's all about Jesus and what he's done. It's all about the gospel or the good news that Jesus brings into our lives that we tend to take for granted, that we tend to forget about. It's not about wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. It's not about your favorite worship song. It's not about your favorite preacher. It's not about the, it's not the, about the good news and letting the world know that. It's about the good news and letting the world know they need it. Sorry, I'm getting fast here because we're out of time. It's about the good news and letting the world know they need it. We are united at Mission View Church because we are a gospel-centered church, gospel-motivated and gospel-declaring church that will not be silent and will not be hidden. We know what's on the line. We know the cost that was paid, and we know the love of God for the lost. And that knowledge has consequences. The consequences of us knowing the truth of those things is that I am not willing to not talk to my neighbor about Jesus. I am not willing to not talk about my coworkers about Jesus because their eternity in hell is on the line. I want to tell them what God has done in my life. There is, there, there is no possible way you can come in contact with the creator of the universe and not want to tell people about him. It's just how awesome he is and who he is. And that good news motivates us and propels us to share it with others. We find unity around the gospel. That's what's going to push us forward. That's what's going to push us forward together for his kingdom. There are 200,000 people just in Stark County and the surrounding areas that claim no religious affiliation whatsoever. That's why God's given us a vision to reach 200,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ and the love of God. The pandemic does not change that stat and it does not change that vision. We are a motivated people because we are saved people. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. It's not always easy to pursue the things that you call us to pursue, Father. But we want to be a people that make sacrifices for your kingdom because that's what Jesus did for us. So that's what we can do as well. So Father, we lay our lives at your feet and we say, use us however you see fit. 
draw us to your son and in so doing, draw us closer together as your church. Pure and spotless, perfect, sustained to the end by our Savior, Jesus Christ. Come and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing this closing song about unity.